Welcome to the Bethesda Church Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. We consider it an honor to host you. You can stay up to date with us at BethesdaChurch.tv or on Instagram. Now let's get ready for the message. I feel right at home. Matter of fact, matter, don't be seated yet. Don't be seated yet. I know you guys are ready to hear the word, but I just sense we, we just not done shouting yet. I just, I just don't, I don't think we're done shouting yet. There's, there's something supernatural about shouting at a strategic time. And most of the time it's when you feel like, when you don't feel like shouting is when you need to shout the most. When you, you don't feel God moving, it doesn't look like nothing and anything's happening. That's when you need to shout the most. When you, maybe you've been standing and believing for healing in your body and you're feeling some pain right now. You don't feel like shouting. That's when you need to shout, you know? So I, I, just, I just feel like it's time and we've shouted and it's been so good, but I, I really feel like that, that we just need to take another moment. Let me just say this. For years, for years, the enemy used to just keep me almost like a nervous wreck. But several years ago, I decided this. I decided I'm done allowing him to make me a nervous wreck. Come on now. I decided now I'm gonna turn the tables. I'm gonna rewrite the story and I'm gonna make him a nervous wreck. And one of the ways I do that is just giving God a shot of praise. So if you wanna make the enemy nervous right now, Come on now. If you want to make the enemy, if you want to put him on the run, you got to lift your voice just right now and give God a great big, come on now. Yeah. Oh. Hallelujah. Ah. Jesus is walking through Jericho one day. He's walking through Jericho one day and he comes out. And so there was this guy by the name of Bartimaeus. And and Bartimaeus needed something that he didn't have. He needed somebody to give him something that he couldn't produce on his own. So Jesus is walking through the crowd and Bartimaeus begins to cry out. You know the story, right? He said, Jesus, thou son of David. He didn't say Jesus of Nazareth. He didn't say Jesus, a carpenter's son. He said, Jesus, thou son of David. In other words, what Bartimaeus was saying was, he's screaming this. He's like, I know who you are. You're not just another prophet. You're not just another man. You are the son of God. You are the answer to my situation. And he's shouting, right? Then folks came to him and said, you need to be quiet. Don't bother him. And I love, I love Bartimaeus' response. Remember this? He didn't stop shouting. As a matter of fact, he turned up the volume. Somebody say, turn up the volume. I think we need to give one more shout right now and we just need to turn up the volume. Let's, let's rattle the roof in this place because listen, 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 here's why. It was a strategic shout that op- uh, opened a supernatural opportunity for Bartimaeus. I'm telling you, shouts, it's just not a religious thing. It's not just a Pentecostal, a charismatic thing. It's very much a spiritual release of faith. And I just sense there's just one more time here One more time, don't let your emotions, what you think somebody could be thinking about you, because they don't care, and you shouldn't either. Let's give the Lord one more, like Bartimaeus, let's turn up the volume, let's give the Lord one more shout of praise. I believe God's gonna move in somebody's body when we do this. When we give this shout of praise, I believe He's gonna move in somebody's body. I believe that right now. I believe He's gonna move in somebody's body right now. All right, here we go. 
on, on, on the count of three, all right? We're going to turn up the volume, right? One, two, three. power, supernatural power, resurrection, power. It's invading bodies right now, invading eyes, invading ears. Invading digestive systems right now in the name of Jesus. Ligaments, joints, invading tissues, connective tissues. Thank you for it right now, God, in the name of Jesus. Bringing balance, healing cardiovascular issues in the name of Jesus thank you for it Father thank you for it Father in the name of Jesus in the name of Jesus we thank you give you praise and glory and honor thank you Father we give you the praise and the glory and the honor we don't do this because we have to we do it because we want to it's an act of faith Father give you the praise and the glory and the honor and everybody that agrees says a great big amen amen amen. listen you can be seated this evening I I want to say how thankful that uh, my wife Sandy and I are to be here about two years ago uh, I had the privilege of um, meeting Pastor Chad and he came down to Louisiana and just did an incredible job we did a minister's roundtable and he just just did a phenomenal, phenomenal time just imparting and giving and just pouring into us. And, and so, um, you know, sometimes when you meet people, you're like, I, I like that person. You know, I just, I just like them, you know. And, and that was, that, that was, that's, that's the way I felt about Pastor Chad. And so, um, so we, we decided just a few months ago, I just had it in my heart that I wanted to come out here and be here specifically for a Wednesday night. You know, the first Wednesday. We do first Wednesdays in Louisiana too, but I just felt like I, I, I just wanted to come out. That Sandy and I wanted to travel out, so I reached out to Pastor Chad and said, hey, I, you know, whenever's good for you, I just want to come and be there. I just want to come and worship with you guys. Sandy and I would love to come. And, and so, you know, I wasn't asking for an, a, a message, opportunity to preach or anything like that, but he, he said, you know, I'd love for you to, to minister whatever's in your heart when you come. And so uh, we, here we are. And then... We, we got to meet Pastor Karen, and she's a rock star. I'm telling you, she's just, man. Then I went, then I put the dots together. I was like, now I see why Pastor Chad is so awesome. Yes. <laughs> now, he's an awesome man of God, and he's certainly been blessed with an incredible, incredible wife. And I'll tell you what else he's blessed with. He's blessed with a great church. I can, I can tell already this is... This is a great church. You are a phenomenal, incredible people. And um, I'm sure you've been told this many times. Maybe you don't know this, but what God's doing here in White Sulphur Springs is not normal. It is so, so not normal. And I just want to commend you for obeying God and, and allowing God to use you in such an incredible way. You're, you're, actually, you're actually touching and reaching um, so far beyond what you even know right now. And so eternity will tell, though. Eternity will tell. And so uh, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for responding to God's plan for your life. So um, how many, go ahead and do this. Open your Bibles to Colossians chapter three, verse 14. And, and guys, media, I did not give this scripture to you, but I'm gonna fix it this way, okay? So it's, it's, not, it's not in my notes that I sent you, um, but go ahead and open to Colossians chapter three, verse 14, and just, just hang out there, okay? We're eventually gonna get to, to it. Uh, another thing that I would like to say, how many, how many in here are like the, the, the notes person? You like to write like, you know, three, three points. You got three points. I, I'm, I'm that way, right? So for the, for the three-point people, I'm going to get to the points in a little bit, okay? So I'm, it'll take me a little bit, but I'm going to get there. So don't freak out. Don't panic. We're going to get to the three points, okay? But how many, how many in here love comeback stories? 
You, you like those? I do. I, I love, I love comeback stories. We could, we could talk a lot about them. My, 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 my grandfather, um, I come from a military family. My, one of my grandfathers was uh, in the Battle of the Bulge, World War II, uh, European theater, pivotal battle in, the, in, in, that, in that war. And so he just talked about the comeback. And then that they, that they experienced. And then my, um, an, an, one of my favorite, my favorite moments, events in the Bible is uh, uh, 1 Samuel chapter 17. That there was a young man by the name of David. Has anybody ever heard of David, right? So David, uh, for 40 days, uh, the, God's people, God's army were, were just sliding backwards. If you, if you stepped into that moment uh, in that season of time for 40 days, you would look at that and you're like, it's the same thing going over and over and over. They get up, they, they scream at each other. The Philistines and the, the, Israel, the Israelites, they scream at each other twice a day and then they go back and do their own thing. Would it look like it's just the same thing all the time? But the truth is every day it was getting worse and worse. But how many of you know that, that on day 41, something shifted, something changed? That's the day that David stepped into the camp. And there was a comeback that day. David didn't step out to defeat Goliath to prove he was something. David stepped out to, 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 to let, he wanted to have victory. And he wanted to, God's people to experience victory because he wanted the whole world to know that there was a God in Israel. That's why. So he led the comeback. David led the comeback for 40 days. God's men were running from something that they should have been running towards all the time. That's their enemy. How many of you know God doesn't want us running from our enemy? God wants us running at it. Come on now. And, and so that's one of my favorite, my favorite uh, experiences in the Bible. But, but the truth is God's people are called to be comeback people. I said God's people are called to be comeback people. Listen to what 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 8 and 9 says. It says, though we experience every kind of pressure, we're not crushed. Can somebody say hallelujah to that? Hallelujah. At times, we don't know what to do, but quitting is not an option. <laughs> I don't know what to do, but I know what I'm not going to do. I'm not quitting. I'm not quitting on God, and I, I, I'm going to start preaching here, so I got, I got to keep moving, right? We are persecuted by others, but God has not forsaken us. We may be knocked down, but we are not knocked out. God has called his people to be comeback, comeback people. But I want to spend some time tonight talking to you about the greatest comeback of all. It's the greatest comeback of all. And it includes God's people. But before I get to that, have you, have you ever thought about why... Eve did what she did in Genesis chapter three. Have you ever considered that? Have you ever thought about that? That, that? Why, what was it? What did the enemy do? What did Satan do? What did he present to her that drew her across that line that she was willing to disobey God? If you know anything about Genesis chapter three, you'll know that he essentially pitched her three different pitches. The first one went like this. He, he, he came to Eve and he said, hey, Eve, did, did God say that you can't eat from any of the trees in the garden? And she said, no, 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 no. He didn't say that we couldn't eat from any of the trees in the garden. He just said we couldn't eat from this one. Because if we eat from this tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, if we, get if we even touch it, it's over for us. And here, here's, here's, here's the pitch. Did God really mean that? Is that really the truth? Genesis chapter three, he pitched to the pitch. Is that really true? Is God's word really true, Eve? She swung, she missed, strike one. Then the second one, he's, he's looking at her as if he really cares about her. He looks at her and he says, girl, <laughs> there's something wrong with you. Let me see, what is it? What could it be? Oh, I got it. I know what it is. You're different. There's something missing. Girl, I know what it is. You're not, you're not like God. Here's what he did. The second pitch was this. He pitched his version of her story. He pitched his version. You're not like God. 
If you disobey God, you'd be more like him. When the reality was, she was created in the very image of God. Listen, Eve was the picture of perfection. Strike two. She swung and missed. The third one, man, he just saved it for this one. He saved the whole thing for this one. He waited this one. He stored it. And it was the day that she was walking by the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. She walks by the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And that day, it never looked better than in that moment. She looked at it and she was completely consumed with something. If we were there, we're watching this all happen and go down and we see her, she's fixated on this thing. She's fixated on something. We would rush up to her and say, girl, don't do it. Don't, don't, whatever you do, don't do it. It's going to cost you everything. But the truth is, the truth is, listen, Satan wasn't trying to get her eyes on the tree. Satan was trying to get her eyes on herself. Wasn't the tree. She's looking at it and she, at that moment, she couldn't, she wasn't thinking about God. She wasn't thinking about Adam. She wasn't thinking about their future. She wasn't thinking about anything. All she could think about is that this would make me better. This is good for me. Eve did not sin because she was evil. She was the picture of purity. My goodness, she walked in the presence of God. She spent time in the presence of God. The reason that Eve sinned is because she was selfish. So then after that, there was this meeting that God had it's called the come to God meeting in the garden. How many of you ever had a come to Jesus meeting, right? This is a come to meeting with God meeting. So we've got Eve, excuse me, we've got Adam. And Adam, he says, Adam, <laughs> what's up, man? I love this, this is classic past the book. Adam said, God, look, it was the woman that you gave me. Get that? It's your fault. You gave her to me. Come on, God. Pass the buck. Right? Then she, he turns to Eve and he said, Eve, listen, that decision, yeah, it's going to cost you. Not only is it going to affect you, but it's going to affect every woman that follows you. Ladies, how many believe that Eve's probably going to have a special place in heaven? Like a protected place. For some, 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 some women, they're like, I cannot wait to get to heaven. I got something I got to get off my chest to, to, to marry, excuse me, to Eve, right? But get this, and he had a conversation with Satan. And here's how the conversation went. It's my paraphrase. He said, Satan, you won today. You won. But he said, there will be a comeback. There's going to be a comeback. You can take it to the bank. There's, there's going to be a comeback. He said, the day's coming when the seed from this woman is going to bruise your head. There will be a comeback. Come on now. So God stood in the garden, and he looked to the future, and he predicted the comeback. Fast forward in time. Jesus, his son, the seed that... God predicted he's on the earth. He's walking with his disciples. And in Matthew chapter 16, he asked the disciples this strange question. He said, what are people saying about me? What is it that people are saying about me? And they got a variety of answers. Some said, you're a prophet. Others said, you're just a good man. You're just this or that. But I love Peter. Aren't you thankful that Jesus let Peter hang around him? If Jesus let Peter hang around him, we've all got a chance. Can somebody say amen to that? I mean, Pete, old Pete, man, he just came through. Now, I think Peter was over to the side. He's just like the kid in the class. He's like, oh, 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 I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. So finally, he says, okay, Peter. 
He says, I know who you are. You're the Messiah. You're the sent one. You are the one that I, we have been hearing about since I'm a kid in Sabbath school. I've been waiting on you. You are Jesus. And Peter said, yeah, excuse me. Jesus said, yes, Peter, you were exactly right. You didn't figure it out on your own. Uh, Father in heaven revealed this to you. And then Jesus says something that is so, so important to this story. Jesus said, you're exactly right. And upon this rock, I'm gonna build my church and the gates of hell are not gonna prevail against it. Now get this, watch this. Jesus saw the same thing that God his father saw in the garden looking forward. It's the same thing. Different time, but he's looking at the same thing. So Jesus is looking forward and he's saying, listen, here's what's gonna happen. I'm gonna build my church. And here, here's what you gotta get, guys. When Jesus said my church, he's not talking about buildings. He's not talking about facades. He's not talking about religious things. He's talking about people. What Jesus was seeing is that Jesus was seeing you. Jesus was seeing me. Because the church is not made up of buildings, though we like to be in them, thank God for them. The reason that Jesus said I will build my church is because Jesus knew the day was coming where humanity, Christians, I should say, Christians would be connected to him. He is the head and we are the body. And Jesus said, listen, hell will come. Hell is coming against my people, but my people are coming back. My people are gonna win. That's what Jesus said because that's what Jesus saw. Same thing. So something got had to happen for that in order for Jesus, what Jesus saw to come to pass. We all know what that is, right? It's called the death, burial, and resurrection. Jesus died. He was buried. <laughs> but as predicted, three days later, he came back to life. Can anybody here get a little excited about the fact that Jesus is alive? Come on now. Jesus, listen to me. Few weeks after the death, burial, and resurrection kicked off the church that we're a part of today at Pentecost. I mean, he brought it, Jesus brought it in, the Holy Ghost brought it in in style. I mean, he kicked it off with a bang, right? See, Jesus kicked off the comeback. And then here we are today. We're in a place today where we're, we're, we're experiencing some challenges. We're, we're experiencing some things that have, are happening to us. But I'm here to tell you, that the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. Can somebody say amen to that? So let's go to the last book of the Bible. So we started in Genesis, the first book. Let's go to the last book of the Bible. So it was the last of the original apostles. His name was John. And he was um, on an island called Patmos. He was actually banished there. He was placed there by the emperor of Rome. And so he's there and he's, it's not like a resort-like place. I mean, he, he lived in a cave and slept on a rock. Okay, he lived in a cave and slept on a rock, but it was there on Patmos that God gave him, the Holy Spirit gave him revelation. It's where we get the book of Revelation from. You following this? And so what happened was that John saw the same thing that Jesus saw, the same thing that God the Father saw in the book of Genesis, but he saw it from a different perspective. You see, God, when God made the prediction in Genesis and Jesus in Matthew 16, they were in the present looking, forward, looking to the future. But, but the Holy Spirit allowed John to look at the body, look at that whole thing from a different perspective. The Holy Spirit... Uh, came on John and John saw the same thing that Jesus saw, the same thing that, uh, that God saw, but he saw it from the future looking back. He saw it from the future and he's looking back. Everybody say back. It was in Revelation 12, 11 that he made this, 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 this statement. Please don't put it up right now, guys, just hold on. And he made this statement. He said, they, God's people, overcame him. Remember, Jesus said the gates of hell would not prevail, right? But he said, they overcame. In other words, he sees it from that perspective. God's people, they overcame. 
Does anybody want to help me with this one? That they overcame what? What? Come on. Wow, isn't that amazing? Could somebody get excited about the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony? Come on, you, you, guys, you guys are getting, you're not, you're not there. The blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony overcame. And he said, so what happened was is that John was able to see not just what happened, but exactly how we did it. He said, this is exactly how they did it. Listen, it was like the highlight reels. It, it, was, like, it was like the highlight reel. It was like, it would be like today because we can see this. It would be like me and you, we're on a football team and we're at halftime and we're down a little bit. We're struggling a little bit. The, the team is, is putting some pressure on us. The team is winning a little bit. We go in at halftime. We go in the locker room and our coaches come in and they show us a video of the rest of the game that we're yet to play. What kind of advantage would we have? Right? What kind of advantage would we have over the opponent? What kind of advantage would we have over the enemy? Oh, anything they did were wrong because we've already seen the end of the game and exactly how we, we do it. So God's people, they overcame what by what? So here, here's, here's what I want to dig into for just a few moments. We're going to get to Colossians, I promise you. Here's what I want to dig into. So what John saw there Is it the blood of the lamb thing? Is, is it because God's people took communion all the time? Is it because we, we had communion cups and I'm not, I am not devaluing communion. We should take communion. We should take the Lord's Supper. It is so, so important. Can somebody say amen to that? Amen. But, but did, did God's people just run at the enemy with communion cups and he ran? Is that how we did it? No, I, I believe I believe that what John saw, that they overcame by the blood of the lamb, they overcame by what the lamb, the blood of the lamb backed. What the blood of the lamb supported. And here's the reason I say that. Old covenant, new covenant, you'll find that there's never a promise given that's not backed by blood. Old Testament, New Testament, you'll never find a promise that's not backed by what? By, so one day God speaks to Abram and said, hey Abraham, I know your wife's old and you're old and I'm gonna give you a kid and not only am I gonna give you a kid, but bro, I'm bringing a nation out of you, right? And then, and then, and this is a fair question. And then Genesis chapter 15, uh, but Abraham said, sovereign Lord, how can I know that I gain possession? But that's a fair question, right? Because God's given this promise first and I'm gonna do something amazing in your life. I'm gonna do something supernatural in your life. And Abraham says, yeah, but God, how do I know that that's gonna happen? You know what God spoke to Abraham and said? You know what he said to do? You, you go get you a goat or you go get you a bull. You go get you some birds and we're gonna have us a sacrifice. Ladies and gentlemen, do you know what happens when you sacrifice something? Blood is shed. It says that day that God and Abram came in covenant with each other, God backed his promise with what? With what? Blood. So today, today God's people, we don't just overcome because the blood has been shed. We overcome by the promises of God. That is the reason, I, I love this scripture. That is the reason that 2 Corinthians 1.20 says, for no matter how many promises God has made, they are maybe in Christ. For no matter how many promises God has made, they are what? Yes, in Christ. And so through him, the amen, so be it, is spoken by us to the glory of God. Do you know why every promise God has given you is yes in Christ? Because our promises are not backed by the blood of goats and calves, but our promises are backed by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. That, that's the reason when a believer stands and speaks the truth, the truth and God's promises are backed by the blood of Jesus and Satan cannot handle that. There's no demon that can stand to the truth that's spoken by God's people that's backed by the blood of Jesus Christ. It won't happen, can't happen. 
How did Jesus defeat Satan when he was tempted? The truth, the truth, the truth, the truth. So we, we sing about the blood and we should. We, we, we get excited about the blood, but we should be more excited about what the blood backs. And it's the promises of God. That's what John saw. That's how we do it. Can somebody get excited about this tonight? Man, I... I, I'm, I've never been so convinced of something and it's been a long time. So he saw something else. He said, they overcame by the blood of the lamb, what? And the what? All right, testimony. Let's talk about that a little bit. Testimony. Let, let's use a different word. It means the same thing, but we use a different word today. It's story. Right? Testimony. Story. Right? Everybody's got a story, right? Overcame by the blood of the lamb and what? The word of their, their story. So God's people came back because they realized that God's version of their story was powerful. Now, if, here's what you gotta get. Here's what I want you to understand. If I ask you to come up here and I say, all right, tell me your story. Tell me how you came to Jesus. Tell me how you, your faith. Everybody's story would be a bit different, Right? I mean, I, I, know, I know some people, they, they, they're like, well, Pastor John, I really don't have a story. I really don't have a testimony because I, I just never really, you know, dabbled in sin that much. I grew up real clean and just loved Jesus all my life. And I'm like, oh, you don't have a story? I mean, I'd love to have that one. You know, you got then others that just like, man, man, I was hell on wheels, man. Anybody, hell on wheels people like me? Yeah, I mean, I was, I was one of those, you know? So all of our stories are different. But the reality is all of our stories are actually the same. You see, what's, what's happened in the body in a lot of different places is that the enemy has diverted our attention to the differences. When the reality from God's perspective, and that's the perspective that matters the most, we're all the same. Remember the second pitch that Satan threw in the garden? The first one was truth. The second one was what? His version of her story. His version of her story. But the reality is there is a version of God's story that makes us all the same. Difference divides. The same unites. And, 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 and listen, I can't tell you how powerful it is. I, I gotta stop and tell the story. I wasn't gonna tell it, but before service, I felt like the Holy Spirit wanted me to. Sandy and I were missionaries in Europe for several years. And we, we, one of the places that we served was in Scotland. And I uh, was preaching the church uh, in Kilwinning, Scotland. It's right on the, right on the coast. It's, it's a beautiful place and great, great thing. I, I, so I was preaching on one of my life scriptures, 2 Corinthians five seventeen. Anybody know that one? If any man be in Christ, is a new creation. Old things have passed away and everything's become new. So I'm preaching along when I get done, or when I get done, there was this, this, this little Scottish lady. She's, she's about in her 50s, somewhere right, right around that age. And which, I'm there now. Uh, so, so, so she's coming up to me. She's got tears in her eyes. Her name was Marie. And so she came up to me. She said in this beautiful little Scottish accent, I, I, don't even, I can't even try to imitate it because I'll jack it up. So, so she said, Pastor, that was such a great message. I said, thank you, Marie. I'm glad it touched you. She's got tears in her eyes, but she said, you were wrong on one point. I don't know about you, Pastor Chad, when somebody does that, man, I had my faith face on, but on the inside, my wheels were spinning. I'm like, oh, what did I say? You know, and, and she said, I said, Marie, listen, I'm sorry, but I, I don't really understand. You're gonna have to help me out here. She said, in your sermon, you said, there's, there's, there's no such thing as a mistake. She said, you're wrong. Tears in her eyes. She said, because I am one. I'll never forget this as long as I live. She said, I'm a mistake. I said, Marie, talk to me. So she said, my mom and my dad were married. My mom had essentially a one night stand and she, she, she said, she got pregnant and she said, I'm the result of that. So she said, with tears in her eyes, she said, I'm a mistake. And I'm telling you, when she starts telling her story, I know where she's going. And at the same time on the inside, I'm praying, Holy Spirit, you gotta help me. What am I gonna tell this lady? 
And so right when she stopped, right when she finished with her story, the Holy Spirit gave me what to say. I said, Marie, and I knew the answer to this question. I said, Marie, are you, you born again? And she said, she's tears in her eyes. She said, yes, Pastor, you know I'm born again. I said, Marie, you got to understand something, and God wants you to know this. To God, your first birth, that's not the one that counts. That's, that's not the one that matters. What matters is the second birth, the new birth. That's the one that matters. And I'll never forget this as long as I live. I saw like tons of weight lifted off of her shoulders. Countenance changed. She cried some more, but it wasn't of shame and it wasn't of the fear of what people thought. And it, it was like God did something right there. And she said, I never thought of it that way. What had Marie done? Marie had spent years believing Satan's version of her story. I'm going to take just a minute. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, this is God's version of all, of all of our story, including Marie's. You ready for this? Ephesians, Ephesians chapter uh, 2, verses 1 through 10. As, excuse me, I'm going to read through about 5. Ephesians, uh, Ephesians chapter 2 says, for, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work of those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time. Who? All of us. That was all of our story. It doesn't matter the color of our skin. It doesn't matter what we were involved in, what we did. All of us lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But, oh, here's the rest of the story. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. Even when we were dead in transgressions, it is by grace that you have been, what? Saved. That's all of our story. And that's the one that we overcome with. <laughs> the enemy can come and say, well, you were this, you were that, but you can always stand up and scream, grace is by the grace of God that I'm saved. It's not by what I have done, but because of Jesus Christ and the work of the cross, I put my faith there, devil. You're not gonna drag me back you're not gonna drag me down. I overcome because of God's version. That's where I put my faith in regards to my story. <laughs> Revelation 12, 11. They triumphed, they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. Highlight reels, guys. Looking back, how could we get it wrong? We know how to do it. Several months ago, I was, felt prompted to go back and look at Revelation 12, 11 again. I've preached this so many times over the years. I've confessed this. I've spoken this. Overcome by the blood of the Lamb, the word of their testimony. And I realized there's another one. There's another one. Did you guys know that? There's another one. Because it says they overcame him. God's people, they were faced with adversity. They were faced with challenges. The devil gave it the best shot. COVID, crazy elections, storms, all this stuff. But they overcame him by the blood of the lamb, the word of their testimony. And you know what the third one was or is? You ready for this? Could you put that Revelation 12, 11 up for me now? The whole thing. It says, no, it's some more. Revelation the whole thing. And they love not their lives even unto death. You got that? Don't got that? There we go. Revelation 12, 11. They did not love their lives so much as to shrink back from death. Amen. They did not, they did not love their lives. 
what happened to all the shouting? I mean, we, we were shouting over the blood of the Lamb. We were shouting over the, the word of our testimony. But what about that one? Because John said, this is how they did it. That it was the blood of the Lamb, the word of their testimony, and what? They weren't in love with themselves. They weren't, they weren't in love with themselves. It's missing. It's missing. But here's the crazy thing about it. What's missing, in large part, is so common. It's in the Bible. We, we praise about it all the time. We worship God for it because of it all the time. It's so common. It reminds me of this story of this couple that bought this place in California years ago, and they would walk, go on these they would go on these walks with their dog, and they did it for years and years and years. And so one day they were walking along, and they look over, and they, they see this rusty can. They see this rusty can, they go over, they're curious about it, they go over and they dig it up. When they dig it up, it was heavy and they, they actually thought it was just lead paint. You know, it was just, just old lead paint in this thing and they carried it back home and they got back home. They pried the top off of this old metal can and you know what was on the inside of it? Gold coins that were uncirculated. You know what they did? They went back to see if there were some more. They did and they found eight cans of gold coins that were uncirculated worth about $11 million. They had been walking by the rusty old cans for all those years, but they never stopped to see what was in the can. It was just common. What we're talking about right now, it is so common in the church today. It's like part of the Christian landscape. Just hold that thought. How many of you have heard of the great apostle Paul? So Paul was an apostle, so we can call me Apostle Paul. <laughs> so he, 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 traveled to, he traveled to Corinth and he, he, he spent about 18 months there. He's pouring his life into this, these people, starts a church, gets leadership in place, preaches his heart out. He's just, it's great things. And so he moves on to his next assignment. Well, several, several months later, he gets this letter, he gets this information uh, about what's happening at the church. It was uh, at the, at the, at, in, 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 in Corinth. And it was like, it was about, how many's ever heard of Apollo 13? Can you give me the quote, one of the famous quotes of Apollo 13 mission? Houston, what? We got a problem. It was kind of like one of those letters, like, Paul, we got a problem. And so he lists, he reads these issues, he reads the problem, and he's going through everything. And as he's looking at it, it was like, it was like a script from a horror movie for a minister or a pastor. There's division, people are attacking one another, there's all kind of arrogance, there's arguing over spiritual gifts. I mean, it was just crazy, all this craziness going on, all this stuff going on. And, and I believe when, 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 when he looked at this, he immediately he knew what the problem was with the people. He knew what the problem was. He knew there was a dirt problem. He knew there was a, pro, uh, there was a soil problem, that was the problem. We know that because he referred to when he's writing back in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 9. He said, we work together to solve God, uh, serve God. Talking about he and those who were serving with him. Watch this. He said, you're like God's field. So immediately, this puts you in the right, uh, helps us get the right frame of mind or get in the same frame of mind that Paul's in. Because when he looked at them, he knew there is a soil problem there. Because he, when he looked at the church, he said, you're all like a just, just big giant field. What's field made of? It's made up of dirt. Now, I'm not saying that to degrade anybody because if you look and you study the scriptures, a lot of the times, especially New Testament, Jesus teaching, the soil represents a person's heart. Right? So he knew there was a soil problem. He knew there was something missing. He knew the same thing that Jesus taught in John, excuse me, Luke chapter 13. He's teaching a parable. 
He's talking about this man that owned a vineyard and in this vineyard there was this, there was this, um, there was this tree that was not bearing fruit, it was a, like a fig tree that wasn't bearing fruit. And, and so the, the owner of the vineyard's walking through and he walks up to this tree and he says, look, to the guy who, who oversees it, he says, look, you need to cut this thing down. He said, why should this space right here, why should this space of ground be taken up with a tree that's not producing anything? And you know what his servant said? The servant said, master, 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 give me some time with it. The, the gentleman knew the problem was not the tree, the problem was the soil. He said, give me some time to dig in it, give me some time to put some fertilizer in it, something that will change the soil. Because he knew if I remove this tree, put a new tree there, the first tree, the second tree would suffer the same fate as the first because it wasn't the tree, it was the soil. Are you following me? See, Paul, he just knew what, he knew exactly what he needed to do. He knew what he needed to prescribe. Listen, he, he knew about righteousness. He could have said, guys, here's what you need to do. You just need to pray more. You need to hear more messages. How many knows we need to hear more messages? We need to pray. He could have said, what you really need is revival. What you need is revival. That's what he could have said, but he didn't say that. You know what he knew? Do you know what he knew? That the only thing that would correct that soil problem are you ready for this? It's God's love. Now listen, you gotta follow this. Not just God's love for them. Not just God's love for them, but God's love in them. He knew that's what was missing. He knew that was missing. And he knew this about love. Note takers, write this down if you want to write this down. He knew that love can be violent. He knew that. He knew that this love that they needed in them, it could be violent. Here's what you gotta understand about God's word. Sometimes God's word can be a seed, but sometimes it can be a sword. Hebrews talks about that. Hebrews says that, that Hebrews 4.12 says, but, but for we have the living word of God, which is full of energy and power, and it pierces more sharply than a two-edged sword. What does it do? It pierces more sharply than a what? Two-edged sword. It will even penetrate to the very core of our being where soul and spirit, bone and marrow meet. It interprets and reveals the true thoughts and secret motives of the what? Of the what? So Paul, he knew they needed truth. They needed God's word about truth, God's, God's truth about love. Because he knew that it would be like a seed, but it'd also be like a sword, and it would go in there, and it would start working in the hearts of people. He knew that. And he knew that the violent side of love, which is a good thing, listen to me, would kill what was killing the people. And you know what that was? It was selfishness. It was the same thing that Eve went for in the garden. The exact same thing. Are you following me? Well, I don't, what happened to all of our shouting? What happened, guys? Man, we were shouting, it was like so great. It was so awesome. And now we're like, oh. You see, all of the behavior that was going on there could be traced back to one thing. Selfishness. That was the problem. First Corinthians 10, 24, he says, so don't always seek what is best for you at the expense of another. Don't always seek what's best for you, me first, at the expense of what? Somebody else. In other words, I'll put anybody's light out for mine to shine brighter. Just let me get on the social media thing. 
She's, <laughs> yeah. Listen to what James, Pastor James said, James 3.16, where jealousy, watch this, where jealousy and selfishness, where jealousy and selfishness are, there will be confusion and every kind of evil. Yeah. Paul knew there was one thing that was powerful enough to kill selfishness. Everybody listen to me. How many here wants revival? How many wants revival? How many can say we need revival? I do. I believe that. But I believe there's something that's got to precede revival. And it's, it is a revolt. It's a revolt. And you know what the revolt needs to be about and against? Selfishness. Because listen to me. We know, we know that God's church finishes so strong because we see it from the future looking back. So the question is not will it, the question is when will it? We see the end, right? John showed us that. It's from the future looking back. We know they overcame him by the blood of the lamb, the word of their testimony, and they were not in love with themselves. Now listen to me. You can hear the greatest word. This man, I'm telling you, preaches one of the greatest words you'll ever hear. I've been watching. I've been taking notes. I'm like, I'm going to use that. That's, I'm going to use that one. So the word of God is like a seed, right? Jesus said that in Mark chapter 4. He said, if you don't understand that, you don't even understand how the kingdom works. But if the seed can't survive the soil, if the seed can't survive the soil, all the preaching you, you're hearing, it's not going to bear much fruit in your life. Vision, you can have vision for your life, you can have vision for your marriage, you can have vision for church, you can have all these, you can have all this stuff, but if it can't survive the soil, it will not bear fruit. So here, here's the big question, I'm gonna wrap up with this. I'm gonna wrap up with this. How, how do I get this love in me? How, how do I do that? How do I get this, how do I get this love in me? Well, that, if you're taking notes, write this down. You, you've got to cultivate this love in your life. You've you, you got to cultivate this. Because listen, God's love to us is automatic. God's love in us is optional. It is. It is, and I can prove it. One is in the scripture we're about to read, but I can prove it another way. So when Paul, and we're gonna get this in a minute, when Paul gives them the exact prescription for their problem, which is 1 Corinthians 13, he started off by saying this. He said, you know, I can speak in a heavenly language. I can speak with the tongues of angels. But he said, if I have not love, many translations say, if I have not love, where? In me, I'm a nuisance. I do no good. He said, he said, I can have faith to move mountains, but if I don't have love in me, I'm nothing. He said, he said I, can, I can give everything I have to the poor. I can be the most generous person on the planet, but if I don't have love in me, it doesn't profit me anything. And then in Colossians chapter three, verse 14, it says, you guys looking at this? Colossians three fourteen. it says, above all these things, put on what? Love, which is the bond of perfection. What you put on today to wear naturally, you chose to do it. And this love that we're talking about, the love in us, we choose to put that on. We choose to cultivate that in our life. The truth about God's love is just cultivated in your life just like any other truth that God has in his word about you. You cultivate that. 
But I can tell you, you better be prepared when you begin to introduce this to your life and you begin to cultivate it, that that sword begins to work. And I'm telling you, it gets uncomfortable at times, but it begins to break out and break down what's destroying Christians today. That's a great word, Pastor John. Great word. So glad you came here from Shreveport, Louisiana to share this because I this. It's, it's a little painful, isn't it? It's a little painful. Because when, when you begin to put this love on, I'm telling you, it's the way you measure how you're doing with God's love in you. And it's violent because, man, it begins when you introduce in that selfishness, those little selfish areas that nobody really knew about that you've been kind of covering and cloaking pretty well. It'll find it. But I'm going to tell you, it is so worth it. It is so worth it. Because that's where true freedom comes from. That's where freedom, that's where the Spirit of God, it allows the Spirit of God, the gifts begin to move and God's power begins to move and God's power begins to manifest in your life. Less chaos, less, how many could use a little less chaos and a little less confusion? How many marriages, how many, how many marriages would be restored and made whole? Come on now. How, how, how much would the church really grow? How, how, how great would revival come when, when, when believers begin to go, you know what, I don't care about myself. I, I don't care. And you say, so that, that scares people when you talk like that. When you say, well, I'm not first, then who's going to think about me? I'll give you an, I'll give you an answer to that. God will. God will. Seek first the kingdom of God. Don't seek John's kingdom. Seek first the kingdom of God. And then what? And his righteousness. And then all of these things will be added. See, love will put you in your place. Love will put you in your place. And it's not first, it's second. But with God, when you're second, you're first. It'll put you in your place when you cultivate this love in your life. Marriages, oh my goodness. So how do I get this love in me? You gotta cultivate it. You gotta make it personal. The only truth that works in your life is the one that you take personally. The only truth that works in your life is the one that you take personally. And so I'm gonna just take a few moments and give you a real practical way to cultivate this love into your life. So I'm going to give you an assignment. I want you to go take 1 Corinthians chapter 13 because that is Paul's prescription for selfishness. It'll kill it. It'll kill it. Take 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 7. Now listen, go get the Amplified, the classic edition. The classic edition of the Amplified of these verses. What I want you to do, we're going to go through this. I want you to take it And everywhere it says love, I want you to put your name there. Just put your name there. Are you following this? You remember love is patient, love is kind. So what you do is you make it personal. And you say this, this is who, this is the nature that God's created for me and I'm gonna put it on. And I'm gonna cultivate this. And I challenge you to do it for 40 days. If you'll do it for 40 days, I'm telling you, it will change your life. And the reason we know it works is because we've seen it from the future looking back. Listen, it's what's missing, guys. We're pointing and saying, it's there, them, it's there. It's the, it's, the, it's, 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 it's the devil, guys. It's not the devil. He's not the problem. We know how to do this. We've seen the end. The only reason we wouldn't do it is because we don't want to. Because we've seen the highlights. How could we get it wrong? It's only if we don't want to. So we're going to go through this. And guys are going to put this up on the screen. In every place, there's a blank. You vocally put your name. You vocally say this. I'm going to say my name. You say yours. We can do this, right? We, we can do this right here in this room. We can do this. So every place there's a blank. I'm going to say my name, but you say yours. You don't say my name. You say your name. 
<laughs> Everybody got it? Are you ready for this? Maybe later the guy, we could make this available for you guys. And we, I might should have, should have thought about that. But you guys ready for this? Here we go. One, two, three. John endures long and John is patient and kind. John is never envious nor boils over with jealousy. John is not boastful or vainglorious, does not display himself haughtily. John is not conceited and arrogant and inflated with pride. John is not rude, unmannerly, and does not act unbecomingly. John, because of God's love in John, does not insist on John's own rights or John's own way, for John is not self-seeking. John is not touchy or fretful or resentful. John takes no account of the evil done to him. John pays no attention to a suffered wrong. John does not rejoice at injustice and unrighteousness, but rejoices when right and truth prevail. John bears up under anything and everything that comes. John is ever ready to believe the best of every person. John's hopes are fadeless under all circumstances, and John endures everything without weakening. You say, Pastor John, is this a big deal? Yeah, it's a big deal. I can tell you if believers, as Christians, if we would just start doing this, there'd be less divorces. We would have less fathers walking out on their kids. We would have less premarital sex because love doesn't insist on its own right or its own way. We would have a lot less activity in social media pointing the finger at other people saying they're the problem, they're the problem, they're the problem. They're not the problem. We would have less homeless. And I can tell you what we would have. We would have a move of God unlike anything that we've experienced in our lifetimes. I am convinced I am convinced God is waiting on this. And it's gonna happen. It's gonna happen. The question is, who's gonna do it? That's the question. I would love to get everybody up here just pray over everybody, lay hands on everybody and say, Father, that this love would just invade their hearts. This love would invade their hearts. But you know what? I would need to get there and lay hands on me first. Because it's not an impartation. It's a decision that you make. And if you want revival, it starts within you. And it starts with a revolt against selfishness. 40 days, please take this challenge and see what God will do. Love, listen, listen, love never fails. Never. It can't. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus. God, we repent. We offer our lives to you, Father. God, singing about your love and praising you for your love is such an amazing thing. And we're thankful that that is truth, that is reality. You do love us and it makes us feel oh so good. But God, we realize there's something that's missing. And it's your love in us. We have your truth because your love for us. We have your truth about us and your version of our story because of your love to us. But God, it's our decision to allow this love to begin to work in our hearts in our lives. And so, Father, we turn 
John Welch, I turn from living a life where it's just all about me. Where I begin to live a life where Jesus truly, it's about you. It's about you. It's about your plan. It's about your purpose. It's about your kingdom. God, I realize the world doesn't revolve around me. But I'm here to be used by you. The greatest way the world will ever know that you exist is your love in me and through me. That I'm the most like you when I allow this love to come in and change my heart. So Father, I don't know about anybody else in this room, but I know for John Welch, forgive me, Father, for living a self-centered, self-preservation, self-serving life. I surrender to you. I surrender to you right now. Allow your love to come in and do what it does to drive out every bit of selfishness. Because God, I want revival. I want revival just like you do, Father, but not just for me. But the world needs to see you. The world needs to see you. The world needs to see you. Thank you for your work. Thank you for your truth. Thank you for the help of the Holy Spirit to cultivate this love to change me. In the matchless name of Jesus Christ. Everybody that agrees is a great big. Amen. Worship team, why don't you just go ahead and take us. Let's worship. Can we, you guys got something we can worship with? Thanks for joining us today. If you would like to support this ministry financially, you can go to BethesdaChurch.tv slash give. We'll catch you on the next episode. Have a great day.